As 2021 was winding down, it looked like resin pricing had stabilized after reaching stratospheric levels earlier in the year. But then, of course, supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine, and unprecedented sanctions brought back volatility to the market. And if there's anything businesses hate, it's unpredictability. Hello, everyone. My name is Norbert Sparrow, editor of Plastics Today, and welcome to the Plastic Possibilities podcast. Today, we're kicking off a monthly series devoted to resin market trends in association with ICIS, a business intelligence firm with a 150-year legacy of connecting data, markets, and customers. I'm joined in today's podcast by Joseph Chang, the global editor of ICIS Chemical Business, a weekly publication covering key macro trends and analyzing drivers of chemicals prices worldwide. Joseph shares his insights on what happened in the resin market last month and the trends you can expect to see moving forward. Given the rapid pace of events, I should note that this podcast was recorded on April 4th. And here we go. I, I think it's fair to say that March was a volatile month in so many respects. Um, inflation, that horrible invasion of Ukraine, the sanctions, the price of oil, and on and on. Amid this backdrop, can you give us a recap of how resin pricing and availability fared last month? Sure, Norbert. I mean, yeah, it's not surprising that, you know, we've seen, of course, surging crude oil prices, and that's accelerated with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And that's really put a floor on polyethylene, polypropylene prices. Uh, We've seen a steady rise in spot prices overall as well, with producers seeking price hikes for March and April. So that's not surprising given given the high oil prices. Uh, we can also we also see the U.S. Uh, getting a massive boost to their cost competitiveness uh, globally, especially for polyethylene versus producers in Europe and Asia. Uh, as you know, U.S. producers primarily use NGLs, natural gas liquids, mostly ethane, while European and Asia producers rely on oil-based naphtha. So that's really opened up a huge cost advantage for U.S. producers. Uh, on the margin side, Asia PE margins have been negative for some time. Uh, that's that's gotten worse, and we recently saw margins dip into negative territory, even for European producers as well, before rebounding recently. Uh, I'll just say that U.S. exports of polyethylene, in particular, should increase this year. Uh, the U.S. is going to produce a lot more. Uh, remember, supply was constrained last year from the February winter storm in Texas. Uh, while producers in Europe and Asia, they should cut back on operating rates because of low or negative margins. So we do just overall see a real opportunity here for U.S. exports of polymers, as long as the high oil prices don't cause too much demand destructions uh, in overseas economies. Great. So have you observed any particularly significant moves by resin grade? You know, you're speaking of poly- uh, polyethylene and polypropylene. Anything particular uh, about, you know, other uh, the, the more specific grades? Uh, sure. On the polyethylene side, uh, we've seen higher uh, spot prices for LDPE and LLDPE versus HDPE, as the latter supplies have, have been more sufficient. Uh, you can see polypropylene, if you look at that, uh, the March contracts recently settled uh, up 10 cents a pound. That's on rising propylene costs. Uh, for poly polystyrene, uh, producers are seeking April price increases. You know, just overall, it's been upward pressure on polymers, mainly driven by the high crude oil prices. Right. So uh, the the war, of course, uh, is uh, is a constant um, um, overshadowing uh, of everything uh, that's going on. Uh, how much of an impact has the invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent sanctions had on the trends that you mentioned? 
Sure. A lot of interesting things here, Norbert. Uh, you know, it, as we mentioned, the high oil prices have widened the competitive advantage of U.S. producers. It's opened the door for more exports. Uh, so even with the logistics issues we've seen, uh, we should still see more exports of U.S. polymers this year. Uh, but we're also going to see some real long-term impacts uh, from the Russia-Ukraine war and the growing international sanctions. Uh, in the past few years, Russia has actually been increasing its polyethylene and polypropylene capacity in a big way and ramped up exports. And, and just to give an example, Russia boosted HDPE exports from about 160,000 tons in 2019 to over 850,000 tons in 2021. And that's according to the ICIS supply and demand database. Uh, a lot of that went to China, which is still very net short of PE, and they could continue importing. But on the polypropylene side, Russia also wrapped up exports from about 300,000 tons in 2019 to over 800,000 tons in 2021. And most of that was going to Europe, and that's obviously going to be problematic along with other exports. Uh, long And, and long term, uh, Russia really had some big expansion plans for polyethylene and polypropylene, uh, but with the sanctions, it's just not likely to happen. Uh, to given, Just to give some some information, a pre-war ICIS expected Russia PE capacity to surge from around 3.4 million tons a year in 2022 to more than 5 million tons in 2025 and over 8.5 million tons by 2027, with exports uh, expected to roughly triple in five years. But uh, now ICIS has revised that forecast uh, down for Russia PE uh, from 3.4 million tons in 2022 to less than 4 million tons by 2027. That's a massive difference of about 4.5 million tons off the market, and that could tighten global markets if it's not replaced by other capacities. Uh, right. there, yeah, I mean, there's there's one project that's really in doubt. It's a Russia has a 10 billion euro Baltic chemical project. It's one of the world's largest planned polyethylene expansions at 3 million tons a year in two phases that was scheduled to start production from mid-2024. I think it was reliant on, on, on U.S. technology, I believe. Uh, that, that's, you know, uh, very much in doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Um, so uh, all of that's incredibly interesting. But uh, coming back to the U.S. market, one one question I wanted to ask you about. So we've heard, uh, I'm sure you've heard as well, that resin warehouses are packed. Uh, export opportunities are constrained by, you know, sky high shipping costs, logistics issues, which you've mentioned. So it seems counterintuitive that prices would be rising here in the States, uh, at least from that uh, perspective. What's your take on all of that? Yeah, it's really interesting because we do see sufficient inventory. So the inventory levels are are higher than than normal for for a number of uh, polymers. If you look at polyethylene in particular, but uh, but of course uh, the high oil prices. So I think it's really the the high oil prices that are underpinning this. Uh, that you know there is that export opportunity. You do see the the spot prices in, increasing. Uh, you know, yeah, logistics are constraining uh, more exports. At the moment, it, it, it is uh, yeah, it's a difficult situation for for exporters. They they'd like to to send more overseas, uh, but yeah, eventually. And we also have a lot of domestic capacity coming on this year with uh, with uh, you've got shell shell polyethylene coming mm -hmm. on either Q3, Q4. You've got Bayport polymers that could come on Q4. So you know this is uh, quite a bit of capacity. We saw Exxon Mobil and and shells. Oh, I'm sorry, Exxon Mobil and Savix uh, joint venture. Uh, come on late last year, and that that that's been ramping up. So quite a lot of capacity here. Those inventories uh, look robust. 
But still, it's really those crude oil prices and that export opportunity that seem to be uh, propping up prices. Okay. Well, let's hope that resolves itself <laughs> soon. Um, well, let's wrap up. Uh, what what should we be watching for in April? What, you want to give us some predictions? <laughs> yeah, it's always tough to predict the future, but uh, but obviously oil, all eyes on, are on the oil prices, e- even for natural gas in, in Europe. If that becomes very constrained, very, uh, a big strain on industrial, uh, industrial production, uh, natural gas is used in in manufacturing across the board, uh, so that just makes production it could make production in Europe, in particular, very expensive and and difficult. And that could, I think, any kind of knock-on of uh, effects. You know, there's a lot of recession talk out there and, and concerns about that. So the U.S. economy seems to be relatively re- resilient so far. The demand is still still there. The uh, you know for for polymers as we're hearing, but. But if you look at any potential effects of just uh, increasing or, or, or very high natural gas prices in Europe, uh, continued crude oil prices, uh, high crude oil prices and potential impacts on emerging markets, uh, that could really uh, uh, lead to some demand destruction. So that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, Joseph, for sharing your insights. And I do look forward to doing this again in May if you're available. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Norbert, for the opportunity. Yeah, you too. Take care.